Now, look, I am not disrespecting the Prime Minister, but he doesn't really have the time, does he, to see people like you and me? I mean, if I seriously wanted to talk, to meet and talk with Malcolm Turnbull, that would take some engineering. As I said, some people are hard to get to. Now, if it's true for doctors and prime ministers, what about when it comes to God? We've really jumped a whole new level now, haven't we? This is a completely different league. And the Bible makes it really clear that God is seriously hard to get to. But not because he's busy. And it's not because he's not interested in you. It's because you're offensive to him. Repulsive to him. Our sin unstoppably stirs up the wrath of God against us. Our sin is so vile, so serious, and God is so holy, it means that God is really hard to get to. There's definitely no way you're going to be able to do it on your own. Thankfully, God has made a way that we can come to him. Right throughout the Bible, God makes it clear, if we are to come to him, we need a priest. You would have noticed in the Bible reading that was just read for us, there's lots in there about Jesus being our high priest. And the bottom line for us this evening is that Jesus is our perfect priest. And that means that even in our sin, we can approach God with confidence even. That even in our sin, we can bowl up to the throne room of God and be assured of receiving mercy. But it's all only because of Jesus, because he's our priest. But what is a priest? Uh, We need to be clear about this in order to appreciate uh, what it is that Jesus has done for us. And thankfully, the writer spells out for us what a priest is. He fills us in on the requirements of what someone needs for them to be a high priest. And he does this at the beginning of chapter 5, where he reminds us of God's first priests way back in the Old Testament. And we discover that there's two main requirements. The first one is this, that for a priest to enable us to approach God... He needs to be appointed by God. God has to select the priest for the task. If if this priest is going to mediate between us and God, then God has to be satisfied with him. God has to choose who will be priest. So look at it there, chapter 5 and verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. See, a high priest is selected. God has to appoint them. He says the same thing down in verse 4. Look at it there, verse 4. No one takes this honour upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. Aaron was the very first high priest, way back in the Old Testament. And right from the very beginning, to be a high priest, you had to be called by God. You you couldn't take this honour upon yourself. So the first requirement of a high priest is to do with them and God. God has to pick them. The second requirement is to do with the high priest and us. And it's this, it's that he needs to be like us. He needs to be able to relate to us, to be able to know what it's like for us in our sin. 
Because as it says in verse 1, a high priest, he represents us in matters related to God. A high priest makes sacrifices for our sins. And so he needs to be like us. He needs to be aware of us in our sin. Look at verse 2, chapter 5, verse 2. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. See, the high priest needs to know our weakness so that he can deal gently with us as he represents us to God and as he makes it possible for us to draw near to God even in our sin. So there's your two requirements of a high priest. They need to be appointed by God and the high priest needs to be like us, knowing our weakness. And what the writer does in the rest of our verses this evening is show how Jesus is both these things. And it's really important that he is. Because remember, we're talking about the only way any of us can come to God. It was doubly important for the original readers of this letter to be clear about this. Because remember, the original readers, they're Jewish Christians. And for more than a thousand years, uh, since the time of Aaron, the Jews had their priests that they went to, that God had appointed for them. And at the time of writing this letter, the impressive Jewish temple was still up and running. There were still the priests and the high priests that you could go to to make sacrifices for sin. But these Jewish Christians that the writer's writing to, they'd turn to Jesus instead. They'd turn their backs on the Jewish priests and the temple and the sacrifices. But these Jewish Christians knew that to come to God, you definitely need a priest. So if they're not going to go to the Jewish priests, what priest do they go to? Where's the Christian temple? What sacrifices do Christians need to make? It was all very confusing for them and very tempting to go back to the Jewish system, the one that they were familiar with, the one that had worked for more than a thousand years, the one that at the time of this this letter, the one that was still up and running. And we'll see next week that the temptation to go back to Judaism was very strong for them. And so the writer needs to address this. So from chapter 4, verse 14, the writer shows how Jesus is our high priest. So much so, in fact, he's our perfect priest. We can come to God confidently, even in our sin, because Jesus is our perfect priest. So back up to chapter 4, verse 14. And to teach us about Jesus being our high priest, the writer begins with Jesus being like us. Okay, He needs to be like us if he's going to be our high priest. And thankfully, he was just like us. Chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. We have a high priest before God, no less than Jesus, the Son of God. And he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He's like us. He can represent us to God. He knows what it's like to be us because he's been tempted in every way, just as we are. And yet was without sin. Now, you might think that since Jesus didn't sin, that makes him completely unable to sympathize with us. Because we give in to sin all too often. But he never sinned. So how can Jesus know what it's like to be us? When in fact, Jesus being tempted in every way as we are, 
and never giving in, that means he knows better than anyone what it means to struggle with sin. So, for example, let's say there's you and two friends and you all really love chocolate, but you're all trying to give it up. You're going to go chocolate-free. One of your friends uh, caves in after just one day. You know, saw a box of chocolates at the shop, couldn't help themselves, bought it and gorged themselves just one day. You, though, you fared a bit better. Uh, You lasted a couple of months before giving in, and good on you. It wasn't easy. It's amazing how much chocolate you see when you're trying to avoid it. But a lint ball, box of chocolates, you couldn't resist. Your other friend, though, the third one, they're still going strong. They haven't eaten any. Now, out of your two friends, which one of them can best sympathise with you about what it was like for you to resist chocolate for those couple of months? The one who caved in after just one day? They don't know anything at all, really, about what it's like to go months without chocolate. No, 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 it's the friend who has still had none that can really feel your pain and your struggle. They know exactly what it was like for you to be tempted to give in because they went through exactly what you went through and more because they still haven't given in. They're perfectly placed to sympathise with you in your weakness. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathise with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus went through exactly what we go through and more because he never gave in. He felt the seduction of sexual immorality and the lure of greed and wealth. He felt the urge to stand on his rights regardless of others. He knew the pull of harbouring bitterness towards his enemies. He felt the forces of rage well up within him. Jesus knows full well what it means to have sin relentlessly pull at your soul all day, every day he felt it and yet was without sin. Whatever sin you're struggling with at the moment, Jesus knows precisely what you're going through and more. I know our sin makes us repulsive to God, but Jesus can sympathise with our weaknesses. And he also died for our sin. And so through Jesus, even in our sin, we can approach God. Look at verse 16. It's all because of Jesus. Verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus is such the perfect priest that even in our sin, we can bowl up to God's throne. We can approach him confidently in Christ. We can draw near to God and expect mercy and grace. We can expect to find help from God in our time of need. Our need is to do with our sins because that's what a high priest deals with. That's what he represents us for. And so our time of need is when God deals with our sins and God will deal with our sin finally on the day of judgment. And in Christ, we already have God's grace and his mercy. We already have his forgiveness. And I think that's included in what the writer is writing about here. And he's certainly going to talk more about this as we get later on into the letter. But I think he's talking about more than just being forgiven here. 
Because the immediate context in verse 15 is of Jesus knowing what it's like for us to be tempted by sin. Which means we can approach God for help in dealing with our sins right now. So for you, what what sins seem to keep coming back at you? What sins are in your life that, you know, they're a bit like weeds. They just keep coming back. Whatever those sins are that you struggle with in your life, please don't tell me you're trying to tackle them on your own. You know, we're meant to be here for one another. So at least talk to some of us. We thought a little bit about this last week, but even more than that, here in verse 16, God's here to help you. Jesus is our perfect high priest, and so we can approach his throne with confidence, even in our sin. We can expect to receive mercy from God. Through Christ, God will be gracious to us. He will help us in our time of need to help us in our sin. We'll think more about this at the end. But for now, remember, there's two requirements to being a high priest. Jesus needs to be like us, and we've seen that he is that. He also needs, remember, to be appointed by God. God has to select him for this task. If Jesus is going to mediate between us and God, God himself has to be satisfied with him, and he is most definitely that. Look at verse 5, chapter 5 and verse 5. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest, but God said to him, you are my son, today I've become your father. That's from Psalm 2. And he says in another place, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. That's from Psalm 110. The Psalm 2 quote is God appointing Jesus to be the Christ, the ruler of the world, the king of all the world. The Psalm 110 quote is God appointing Jesus to be a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And so Jesus is appointed by God to be both the eternal priest and king. Now, the writer, he's going to make a lot of noise about this when we get to chapter 7, about Jesus and Melchizedek and being a king and being a priest at the same time. And we'll look at that later in the year. For now, just in these verses, it's simply the fact that God appointed Jesus to be our priest. He's been chosen by God, acceptable to him to be our priest. Jesus didn't take that honour upon himself. Unlike uh, Haley Selassie, Uh, This guy loved taking honours upon himself. Haile Selassie, uh, if you don't know, uh, he was the last emperor of Abyssinia. But being emperor, pretty impressive, you would have thought. But that wasn't enough for our good friend Haile Selassie. And so he appointed himself. He he gave himself this honour. You ready? He gave himself the title of His Imperial Majesty, Conquering Lion of the Tribe of Judah, Elect of God, and king of kings of all Ethiopia. Put that on your resume. Well, he did. Wrote it himself. Now, that might be the honour that Haley took upon himself. This is the honour that God gave the Lord Jesus. God selected him. God anointed Jesus, king of kings of all the world, and high priest of God forever. Appointed by God and able to sympathise with us in our weakness. And so Jesus is our perfect priest. 
And to demonstrate this, the writer now from verse 7 takes us back in time to when Jesus acted as our priest. From verse 7, we're taken to the holy ground of Jesus preparing to offer himself as the sacrifice for our sins. And the writer takes us back to the Garden of Gethsemane and the cross because here we see Jesus' greatest temptation. And here we see God's choice of him to be our priest. And so here in Jesus and his death, here is where we come to God through Jesus our priest. Look at verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus had the horror of the cross right in front of him. It would happen the very next day. And so never was the temptation to sin so strong upon our Lord than it was in those hours before his death. Because it horrified him to take upon himself the sin of the world. And that night as he's praying to his father, he's begging him to not have to go through it. With loud cries and tears, he prayed to not have to die. He prayed for the will of God to be done. And we're told here that he was heard. Because of his reverent submission, he was heard. And the will of God was done. He did die, chosen by God to be our priest, to sacrifice himself for our sins. Jesus submitted even to death, death on a cross, sinless right to the very end. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Not that he learned how to be obedient, but that he learned complete obedience, obedience through what he suffered, obedience even to death. He didn't sin, not even in the cross. And verse 9, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Through his obedience to death, Jesus was made perfect. Not that he was a sinner and now he isn't. We've already seen he never sinned. He's been made perfect in that he's fulfilled what he came to do. He's successfully become our high priest. In his sacrifice for our sin, he is now perfectly able to represent us to God. He can be the priest for anybody. And God appointed him to be exactly that. Verse 10. And was designated by God to be high priest. In the order of Melchizedek, chosen by God, designated by him to be high priest, acceptable to God and perfectly able to represent us. Tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin, even in the cross. And so Jesus is our perfect priest, perfectly able to bring us to God. And so we approach God. With confidence. It's extraordinary. Look at chapter 4, verse 16 again. Chapter 4, verse 16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How remarkable words. Even in our sin, in our filthy, wretched sin, 
right here and now, we can approach God with confidence. We don't have to wait. You know, we don't have to wait until the new creation, when God completely transforms us. And so we're sinless, finally and fully. We don't have to wait for that. No, right here, right now, even in our sin, we have such a high priest that we can approach God's throne boldly, expectantly. We can say to the God who finds our sin repulsive and offensive, we can say to him, please help me in my sin. And he will say yes. We can just straight up come into the very presence of God. You might have seen a photo uh, like this one. Uh, That's JFK, President of the United States, uh, working at his desk in the Oval Office, and that's his son playing at his feet. Now, of course, ordinarily to get into the Oval Office is quite hard. You know, it's only a select few people that can walk into there, cleared first by several other staff to see the President, to conduct business. You definitely, you can't just waltz into the Oval Office whenever you feel like it, unless, of course, you're the son of the President, because for him, the Oval Office was... Well, as you can see, it was just a playroom. You know, it was a place he could go into with confidence, with ease, comfort. Didn't have any fear whatsoever. That's God's throne room for us. Because Jesus is our great high priest. And so we approach God with confidence to, to receive mercy, to find grace, to help us in our time of need. So brothers and sisters, when you think upon your sin and it overwhelms you, when your guilt paralyzes you, when your shame swamps you and you think you can't approach God and you're like that rabbit frozen in the headlights, unable to move, unable to pray, not the way you are. You need to sort yourself out first. You've got to do at least some good things for God before you can talk to him. You've got to pull up your socks just a little bit. When those filthy lies of the devil fill your mind, run. Run to the throne room of God because God's truth Not the filthy lies of the devil. God's splendid truth is that because of Christ, you can come to him, even in all your sin. And you will find grace. God will help you. Because Jesus is your high priest. And he's gone before you. And he speaks on your behalf. He knows what it's like in your sin. He's already died to wash you clean. God chose him for this very task. And so in Christ, even in your sin, when you ask God for mercy, he says, yes. When you ask God for grace, he says, yes. When you ask God for help, he says, Yes. 
So let's give Jesus the credit he deserves as our great high priest. And even in our sin, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. To receive mercy. To find grace. To be helped in our time of need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just... We're lost for words at your mercy and grace, your kindness and your forbearance with even us in our sin. And we praise you for Jesus, our great high priest. We thank you that he succeeded where we failed. We thank you that he even died for our sin. He didn't even walk away from that. And that, Father, through him we can come to you. And so we praise you, we thank you, and we pray for the help of your Spirit to believe your truth and so to approach you in confidence, the confidence that you have given in none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all this, Father, of course, in his name and, Father, for his sake, for his glory. Amen.